This is a Vision Australia radio podcast. On Vision Australia Radio, this is Vision Extra with Peter Greco. Well, glaucoma week, it's a very important week and um, probably no one much better to speak to about it than uh, Dr. Flora Hugh from uh, the Centre for Eye Research. Flora, lovely to catch up with you again. Thanks, Peter. It's lovely to be here. How do you go with uh, things like glaucoma? I guess because of um, our audience and the work we do, we kind of think a lot of people know about it, but I guess there are people being diagnosed every day, people um, being um, sort of introduced to the condition um, every day that uh, kind of start from the beginning as well. Yes, that's right. So we think at the moment there's about 80 million people in the world who have glaucoma. But at the same time, we think that over about 50% of people actually remain undiagnosed. And that's because glaucoma, a lot of the time, doesn't really come with many symptoms. Sometimes when you have someone in the family who has it, it reminds you to go get your eyes tested. But often it's not until you go get your eyes checked for a routine eye test that you find out that you might have early signs of glaucoma. So I guess the, um, if you like, the the uh, the fact that uh, there might be a family history can be one factor that can be uh, a risk factor, if you like, and maybe ageing. Are there other things that we kind of know or are discovering at the moment? Yeah, so ageing is actually our biggest risk factor. Um, as we get older, just the prevalence of People, the number of people getting glaucoma does get higher and higher. And with first-degree relatives that have glaucoma, um, your risk is about almost one in four chance of developing glaucoma in your lifetime. But things, as we know, such as high eye pressure, that's a big um, risk factor as well. We're starting to understand a bit more around um, things such as having a um, high level of short-sightedness, for example, whether there are any vascular risk factors, such as like having diabetes or high blood pressure for a long time, but also having um, chronic low blood pressure. So we know that some people, for example, who suffer from um, Raynaud's syndrome, where they actually have poor blood flow to their um, peripheral, um, such as their fingers, for example, those people actually have a high prevalence to glaucoma as well. Um, and things such as people who are chronic migraine sufferers, so we're starting to understand more and more about what is happening in glaucoma and what are the risk factors associated with it. We know that it's not just due to eye pressure anymore. We used to think that high eye pressure was the only way you could get glaucoma, but then all these people with low eye pressure started getting glaucoma. We had to think about, you know, what else is actually a reason causing um, that can cause the damage to the nerve at the back of the eye. And um, blood flow is one of them, having um, insufficient blood flow, meaning that the nerve cells at the back of the eye don't get the nutrients that they need to function properly and survive. So as we do more and more research, we're learning more and more about the condition. And some of the work that you're doing, I guess, is particularly exciting in the fact that um, you're looking to reverse the vision loss. I mean, often we hear early detection, then it can be monitored and hopefully your sight doesn't deteriorate. You, you're maybe uh, giving people a little bit of hope and you know, I'd say very cautiously, a little bit of hope that uh, you know the, the loss of sight may be able to be reversed? Yeah, so we're currently studying um, nicotinamide, which is a form of vitamin B3. And the reason why we're studying it is because we know that aside from eye pressure, what else is happening to the nerve cells? What puts them under stress? And so those nurse cells in our eye have a very big job, you know, they have a really big job of sending messages from our eye to our brain so that we can see. 
And they're the ones that we lose in glaucoma. And so they consume a lot of energy throughout the day. And we believe that as we get older, those cells become, um, it becomes harder and harder for them to produce the energy that they need to survive and function properly. And in glaucoma, that means that um, they can lead to those cells becoming injured. And when they're not doing their job properly, it means that we're not seeing properly. And so the idea with the vitamin B3 is to actually help support the nerve cells directly to help them produce the energy that they need to function properly so people can have vision that um, that lasts longer um, and prevent vision loss. And so that's a clinical trial that we're doing at the moment to see whether over a two-year period, people who have glaucoma can take vitamin B3 and whether it can actually slow down their vision, uh, their vision loss over that time period. And it's very interesting because it's the first um, therapy that we're really trying to get really good clinical evidence on um, that doesn't rely on eye pressure lowering. Because we know that some people, even when we do give them eye pressure lowering, whether it's by um, eye drops or laser or surgery, they can still continue to lose vision. And so we want to be able to do something extra for them. And that's why we've gone down this pathway to see whether we can actually use nicotinamide to help support those nerve cells directly so that they can stay healthier for longer and therefore preserve our vision for longer as well. How did that get kind of discovered, if you like? Why B3? I mean, I guess it could have been so many other things that uh, might have uh, had this effect. How did sort of B3 get stumbled on or was it indeed stumbled on? Yeah, so there was a lot of um, lab laboratory-based evidence that came out um, slowly over time to kind of understand how the nerve cells um, produced energy, and how it um, and how it, and what are the key cells and enzymes and molecules that were involved um, to help support the nerve cells? And so we always knew that it was going to con- that these cells consume a lot of energy. And the mitochondria in our cells are essentially the battery packs for our cells, and it produces the energy that we need. So we in the lab we found that the mitochondria in the NRIs got quite sick um, and dysfunctional um, in glaucoma. So we knew that one way was to potentially support mitochondrial health. Um, And if they were healthy, then they could produce the energy that our cells need to survive. And we targeted basically, we targeted different aspects of how mitochondria create energy. And we discovered that parts of the machinery, essentially, to create um, energy in our mitochondria were actually defective. And nicotinamide actually plays or NAD, which is a key um, enzyme to help us create energy, was actually one of the key enzymes that we needed to look at um, because that's where the defective machinery was. And nicotinamide actually really has a real key role in helping create NAD. So we thought if we actually use nicotinamide and feed, um, this is based in the lab, feed animals who had glaucoma with nicotinamide, could we prevent the nerve damage? And we found that actually um, it could. And we've shown it in multiple different models now that when you have nicotinamide on board, it could actually prevent a lot of the nerve cell damage that we could see. And of course, this was in the lab. So we had to translate that into the humans um, to see whether it actually worked in people. And that's why here at Zero, we did a clinical trial. Um, it was a short-term one, but we did it to um, as a proof of concept to see whether it would do anything for people who had glaucoma. And the great thing about nicotinamide is that it's already available in the market. So if we can show that it's useful, it can be used in the clinic straight away. And in that study, we, um, we showed that um, people who were taking, when they were taking the nicotinamide, 
their nerve cells seem to show um, a boost in how they were functioning, which is a very positive sign for us. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't so in the placebo group. And this is why okay. we're now embarking. And this is now why we're embarking on a big two-year study. And it's a big international collaboration. And so hopefully out of that, we'll be able to definitively say, you know, whether we should be using nicotinamide um, in glaucoma management. Now, before people rush out at home and uh, go to their health food shop and, and buy uh, their vitamin B3 or nicotinamide, I mean, I guess obviously it's got to be a lot more uh, regulated, a lot more precise as far as the doses and that sort of thing goes. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, even though we had that first study, which was quite positive, um, this is why we're doing this long-term trial now. Because ultimately, glaucoma is a condition that goes for years and years. And we want to know that whether nicotinamide is something that is going to help prevent vision loss in the long run. And that's the point of this study. And and that's why we're doing a big international collaboration as well. Um, That way we can recruit enough people from different backgrounds, different types of glaucoma, so that we can really tell whether it's going to work and and who it's going to work for. Um, because we're mindful that just like every other glaucoma therapy has, it's not always going to be um, helpful mm. to everyone. And that's why it's important that we do these studies um, and the one that we're currently doing right now. And how are you going for uh, participants, uh, Flora? Yeah, so in Melbourne, we're actually currently recruiting. So we're recruiting in Melbourne and Adelaide. Um, so people who are interested in um, participating in a study and have glaucoma, um, feel free to have a look on our website um, because there's a way for you to register um, so that we can find you and contact you and tell you that bit more about the study. So there's lots of details on our CERA website um, talking about the study and our recruitment. Okay, that's uh, cera.org.au. We'll put that information up on our Facebook page. Flora, you talked about uh, the eye pressure or the pressure in the eye, uh, uh, you know, being one of the, the things that uh, happens as far as glaucoma goes. And I've often thought uh, as very much a, a lay person, I should hasten to add uh, very quickly if that's not uh, a tautology, would that necessarily be related to blood pressure? So would someone with high blood pressure, particularly over a long period of time, would they be more predisposed to developing glaucoma or is that not necessarily the case? Yeah, so there is a difference between the eye pressure and the blood pressure. Okay. Um, and having <laughs> high blood pressure doesn't necessarily mean you have high eye pressure. There is a relationship in the sense that obviously we have all these blood vessels in our eye that supply blood flow and nutrients and, and oxygen to the tissue in the eye. So it is important um, around whether we have high blood pressure and low blood pressure um, with respect to the health of the eye to make sure that it gets the nutrients and oxygen that it needs to function properly. We believe that high eye pressure can be a potential risk factor because of the way that um, when you have high blood pressure for a long time, how the arteries, how the blood vessels can change um, by you having high blood pressure over the over a long period of time, which is a little bit different to having high eye pressure, which we believe that um, it's actually by having high pressure in the eye, it's actually pushing on the nerve cells in the eye and actually causing them injury by the pressure that's induced upon them. So it's a little bit different, um, but both are risk factors except high eye pressure is definitely the biggest um, risk factor aside from aging. So someone could have high blood pressure and their eye in terms of glaucoma wouldn't necessarily be affected. Yes, that's exactly right. And you talked about uh, the, the, the blood vessel damage. I guess you know, from a holistic point of view, keeping your, yourself pretty healthy would be beneficial, You know, I guess just for general health anyway, but, but maybe as far as the blood vessels in the eye go, you talked about uh, maybe diabetes and, and maybe blood flow. Uh, again, if uh, a good healthy lifestyle 
you know, apart from it being a good thing to be doing anyway, may kind of play a little bit of a role with eye health as well? Yes, totally. And we know that there's huge benefits in exercise as well um, in, in making the cells, the nerve cells in the eye more resilient, um, for example, more resilient to pressure changes. Um, so we have a lot of evidence to show that things such as um, having a moderate amount of exercise can be really beneficial um, to the health of the nerve cells of the eye, the health of you in general, um, and having a good balanced diet is really important. And so definitely maintaining your health via diet and exercise makes a huge, uh, makes a huge difference. And it does lower your risk um, and it does make the cells in your eye more resilient to the pressure changes uh, as well as the aging changes. And so it's a really important message to um, try and maintain a good, healthy lifestyle, definitely. There are not too many organisations, Flora, that I speak to, uh, be it uh, heart or cancer or uh, other conditions that uh, don't talk about a healthy lifestyle. So I guess it's probably a a pretty common message that you all sort of band together and uh, sing from the same uh, prayer sheet, as it were. Exactly. And, And, you know, a lot of the time we think about healthy diet, exercise, lifestyle, and we think about it in heart conditions and things like that, mm. and not necessarily about the eye, but it makes a it makes a huge impact as well. And for other conditions, including like age-related macular degeneration, you know, having a good, healthy diet is um, really important in that too. And so it, it plays a huge role in our health in general, um, but definitely now, definitely for our eyes too. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Now, particularly for people in Adelaide and Melbourne, if you'd like to take part in the uh, research that's going on, or at least the inquiry, uh, cera.org.au. We'll put that up on our Facebook page. Flora, lovely to talk to you. We wish you well. Keep up the good work and uh, certainly be good to catch up with you in a little while's time just to see how that uh, study is coming along. Thanks so much. Yes, we'd love to catch up again and let you know how things are going. That's uh, Dr. Flora Hugh there from the Centre for Eye Research talking about uh, World Glaucoma Week. That is it for the program. If you've missed some of them, maybe you'd like to hear it again. You can search for Vision Extra on the iTunes Store, on Spotify, or your favourite podcast service. Thanks for listening to this Vision Australia radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Visit varadio.org for more. Vision Australia Radio. Blindness. Low vision. Opportunity.